thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com, as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Being in the sales business, you either have sales in your blood growing up or you evolve into having a passion for sales. Our next guest has had sales throughout, and he's had a great career. I'm excited to have our next guest, Ryan Piku, Vice President of Professional Sports for Tappet. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk with you. Ryan, always a pleasure and very excited to talk to you and dive into your career. You grew up in New Orleans, and sales was always part of your life. What made you so passionate about sales and sports? Yeah, you know, I don't know um, that it's real complicated. Like most of us, I grew up playing sports, being driven by, you know, that competitive nature. And so, you know, when you think about assets, you want, you know, productive sales reps to have, you know, you certainly want them to be, you know, competitive. And so, you know, when you married sort of my, my competitive nature with, you know, my, you know, interest in, in pro sports, like for me, um, that was an easy choice. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to look to, to dive into sports, you know, um, major when I get to college. Ryan, you end up going to the university of Southern Mississippi. You receive a degree in sports administration, kept that competitive spirits going and right out of school, you make the decision to get into sports and you start out in new Orleans with the then new Orleans Hornets of the NBA. And you spend two and a half years there. What were some key learnings early on that you still apply to your everyday? better way to probably answer this question is, you know, what attributes really should I have had at the time? You know, I think coming out of college, I had a little too much of what is called just winging it, you know, but what I, what I, what I understood over time, you know, with, within my time at the NBA, I would often, people would often ask me, Ryan, you know, what separates the good sales reps from the great sales reps? And I think while there are probably you know, hundreds of attributes that you would look for. There's three that I really honed in on. And so for young sellers, for those of you breaking into sports, I would focus on, you know, um, on these three things. And that's one, coachability, like your openness and willingness to take feedback, to take constructive criticism. You know, when I think about it, it's not only, 
you know, learning from your, your line manager, your direct manager, but, you know, are you taking principles or attributes that your colleagues use to see success and then impacting that, you know, and engaging that into your everyday, you know, you know, process. The second thing is a passion for your craft. And, you know, I think sometimes this couldn't be disguised as work ethic, you know, while it is important to be the first one in and the last one out, you know, it's much more than just being a hard worker. You know, often when I would interview, you know, potential sales reps, one of the questions I would ask them is, hey, let's say this doesn't work out. Like, what is something that, that you know, where, where do you think you may end up or what would you might, where, where would you might look, you know, outside? And, you know, for me, if they answered that question with, you know, something in the sales realm, I was more interested in them. You know, if they said, hey, I'm going to start my own business and open up a coffee shop. Well, I think that's great. To me, it said, well, they don't really have a passion for sales. And so I'll look for those people that have a passion for their craft. And lastly, like to me, it comes down to prospecting. Like, again, there's probably a hundred things that we could look for, but those sales reps that are always looking for that next lead, always looking at how they can be more creative around lead generation. Those are the things that I would tell young reps to focus on. No, absolutely. Some great advice there. Certainly three big things. And a lot of those are control what you can control, which is exactly what we do in this business is control those. And now Ryan, I know decision-making is certainly important in this business. And we talk a lot about it. And a lot of people have to go through decision-making and you know, if you're in the sales route, understanding, you know, that customer's decision-making process. And I know you certainly focus a lot on decision-making in all aspects of your life. So what do you believe are the key steps in making an informed decision, really regardless of what the topic or that plan is? Yeah, look, I think, you know, it's a great question. I think there's, there's tactics and things that you can do to make a more informed decision. One thing I'll say is this, I think one of the hardest parts is actually is just making the decision. You know, I think at times, you know, there's a quote from Albert Einstein that I like, and it's anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried something new. And so I think for a lot of managers or leaders out there, even sales reps, you know, it's, it's just being comfortable with making the decision. You know, and when I think about that, you know, I really tried to have a stronger brain then stronger emotions, you know, if like you can live in that space, like I think you're going to get to a decision much quicker than if you have stronger emotions than a stronger brain. No, absolutely. And as you think about the steps, you know, there, there are typically three outcomes in decision making process. You know, should, it, should you proceed? Should you pivot and make changes or should you just completely change course? And so what is your advice on figuring out which outcome you should ultimately pursue in any decision-making process? Yeah, we talked about this, you know, in, in the past. And I think every leader will get to that fork in the road, or if you will, those three options, right? And so taking the steps in the upfront to identify a better path. And I think there's three areas that I think, um, you know, set apart some of the best leaders in the business from maybe some average performers. And the, 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 here are those three things. Number one, collaboration. You know, if, you, if your team or your organization, um, if collaboration is an event for you or an exercise and it's not a culture, 
then you're not really promoting collaboration at the highest level. And so are you looking to other verticals within your organization? Are you talking to your leadership? Are you even talking to your sales team, those folks that are on the front lines? And there's great stats, Travis, around companies that truly have a culture of collaboration. Those companies will tend to see 50% less turnover. And so, you know, one of the calls that I always get is like, Ryan, I'm just looking for like one really killer sales rep, one, you know, uh, hunter that's going to go out and get business. Well, you know, the bad news is, and the good news is, I guess we all are. And so they're hard to find. And so you want to keep them when you have them, you know, and the other piece. And then a subtle plug, then you just send them to me, right. For general sports worldwide, where we do our recruiting and search. The number one, (laughs) the number one team, um, you know, and I think that also when you talk about that, too, like there's also some stats that support, you know, I read a stat the other day that 86 percent of leaders, you know, will blame lack of collaboration ultimately on failures among like sales campaigns or processes. And so, you know, really leaning in to other colleagues, other verticals within your organization, those things are just crucial to, to your success. You know, the second part is you know, having an understanding that every part of the process has one leader or someone that oversees that part of the process. You know, I think, you know, there's that old saying, you know, obviously if, if no one's in charge of the process, then no one's in charge of it. If multiple people are in charge of the process, then there's still no one in charge of the process, right? And so that's identifying, you know, a stakeholder at each part of the process to oversee that. You know, and then lastly, it's just becoming a more, it's just becoming smarter in the way that we make decisions, right? And we talk about data, data, data. And I think that will probably layer into to multiple parts of the conversation today. But when you think about data, you know, and, and using it to make decisions, I look at it in like one of two ways, right? And it's quantitative versus qualitative. And so, you know, quantitative data, you know, shameless plug here would be engaging with a company like Tappet to get better insights on your customers to make decisions. You know, and then there's the qualitative data. And I, and I always think back to this story. Um, I was working with an MBA team where we decided or they decided, you know, they wanted to host focus groups for their premium seat holders, you know, their, the, the um, suite holders, courtside heat holders, yep. seat holders, et cetera. And so in partnership with them, we came in and actually hosted focus groups for those specific, um, you know, season ticket holders. And the learnings that came out of those were really invaluable to how the team approaches business today. Like, you know, one of the things that we were surprised about was the entrance to the arena was one of the separators and what they really liked about their experience. And so that ease, that efficiency, just getting in and out. You know, there was another area where um, they identified that actually a lot of these companies were using the tickets for, you know, personal and more importantly, um, you know, for their kids and their kids' friends. And so in a world in which kids are always connected to their phone, this was a way to bring their kids and have those experiences. And so now, you know, as this team positions their product, like they're going to look to identify and highlight, 
you know, efficiencies around, you know, the entrance to the building. And then they're going to look to build out content that supports showing, you know, kids and fans of, you know, younger fans in the suite, using the suite as a way to build relationships with family. And so those were just two small insights to use moving forward on how they can better make decisions in the upfront. So again, when they get to that point, you know, should we proceed, should we pivot or should we concede? There's a clear path to what they want to do. And I think to that point, you know, is understanding that that decision-making process, understand the value proposition, understand the pros and cons that go along without, you know, and with each of them, and then you can proceed in one of those three areas. And so, you know, kind of circling back to, to your career, Ryan, you had a tremendous, you know, run in New Orleans. And after two and a half years, you, you a short stint with the Charlotte Bobcats. Then you make the decision to go to the Dallas Cowboys to sell that brand new stadium. And so, you know, as you think about, and, and I've talked to a lot of people, including yourself, of that project was selling multi-million dollar deals for multi-years. How was selling that type of premium and those PSLs compared to the selling you had, you know, in the NBA? Yeah, you know, for me, you know, personally, you know, this for me was sort of my prove it job, if you will. So I had been given the tools. I had been given the training. You know, I had, I've had worked for the right people. Um, you know, I worked with Brendan Donahue, Chris Zabers, great leaders who prepared me, you know, for this, this part in my career. And now it was time to go out and prove that I could do it. You know, when you think about, you know, the Cowboys in that role, it was interesting because this was the first time in my career where I had to be more strategic in everything that I did. You know, everybody's going to want to talk to you. You're the Dallas Cowboys. But because of the commitment, which in some cases was 30 years, and because of the price, like this was the first time I had to sell across multiple verticals within an organization and multiple people. So this no longer was just, you know, a, a conversation with a sales leader within an organization, like we're going to use the tickets for this. This was showing value that our product can help an organization across multiple platforms and sort of multiple business initiatives. No, it makes sense. And you, as, as you think about, you know, thinking big, what's your advice to listeners on being able to think big and, and really sell premium products at the highest level? Yeah, look, I, I think like, again, it, it was, it was being more strategic in every part of the process. And like, you know, one example of that was, you know, how I really started to lean in and lean on, you know, upfront research. So going on to, you know, in this case, we're selling premium. So we're targeting mainly businesses. So doing upfront research that I could use, not only throughout the sales process of when I actually had a conversation with them, but in the upfront, you know, I would lean into like, if I noticed they had a partnership with a nonprofit, you know, within my outreach, I may use that and say, you know, you know, to, to, to who it may concern, you know, I'm interested in learning more about your partnership with the American Heart Association and how I think the Cowboys can help impact that relationship, you know, and so starting to learn about, you know, other initiatives that the company would have outside of just the revenue generating areas of the business and then using that data in my outreach, you know, that was important. You know, I can remember being trying to be strategic as I can. I remember at one point, 
there were some last minute field passes that came available for us to use for, for a client. And so, you know, at the time they, they rolled that out to the sales team. If you have somebody that, that could, you know, a prospect that could use the field passes, like go ahead and reach out. And I remember going, okay, I got like five or six companies that I'm hot and heavy with. I know a couple of them, like based on what I know about them and location, like it probably would be a stretch to get them to the game within 24 hours. And so I remember thinking, all right, call three people that, you know, won't be able to use the field passes. And then on the fourth one, call the person that you actually think can use them. Because to me, it's almost just as effective and as important making the offer to the three people as it is actually hosting you know, the, the, the prospect at the game. And so again, like just really being strategic in everything you do is going to impact your success when selling premium. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Ryan Piku, Vice President of Professional Sports for Tappet. And Ryan, as you are embarking on a tremendous sports sales journey, you receive the opportunity and ultimately make that decision to go outside of sports to be a medical sales consultant. So what went into that decision-making process for you? Yeah, you know, look, I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the upfront is just being comfortable making the tough decisions, knowing that, you know, if you work hard, you take the right steps in the process, you align yourself with the right people, like you can take chances. And so, you know, one of the chances I took was to step outside of professional sports um, and join a friend of mine in a spine distributorship. And so um, I was in the operating room six to eight hours a day, um, you know, selling the screws and the plates for spine surgeries. And so, you know, for me, ultimately, like I was more intrigued with pro sports and getting back into that type of sales. However, like there were great lessons and learnings from that, where I think a lot of people think like, oh, you know, I may not want to pivot in my career and make a change. But again, you know, I think being comfortable making that decision, you know, putting all your energy and effort into it and realizing like if you if you're always working at perfecting your craft, especially as it relates to sales, you could take chances on those. And then ultimately, if they don't work out, step right back into where you left off. Yep. 
Yep. And, and you did, did just that, you know, you got the itch back to get back into the sports world. This time it was with AEG out in LA as the vice president of premium sales and service with the StubHub center where you stayed for a couple of years. And, and then, you know, you think about decisions and you, what goes into it, your next step makes perfect sense post, you know, the StubHub center as you join Teambo, the NBA's consulting group. We obviously worked alongside each other. Many of the guests on 52 weeks of hustle have either worked or still worked in Teambo and, now you're meeting with teams on a consistent basis, sharing best practices, helping them run scalable and sustainable businesses. What are the key steps you always focus on with teams when it comes to that decision-making process? Yeah, you know, for me, it always comes down to relationships, you know, and, and I use that word um, more broadly, but what I mean by that, you know, for me, like I was more comfortable um, leaning into my relationships within Teambo and outside of Teambo. And so, you know, obviously I worked with, with great folks like yourself, Travis and, and others, but really leaning into your knowledge, your experience, like learning from my colleagues, you know, leaning in, into areas of uncomfortableness, you know, spending more time, you know, with our data and analytics team, you know, trying to become a more well-rounded professional, you know, and then bringing and then leaning into the relationships at the team, like, you know, building relationships at the team level, like showing them that I'm invested, you know, in any obstacles that they may have, you know, just wanting to be an extension of their team from a support standpoint. And so, you know, for me, you know, at the end of the day, my Teambo experience was about relationships, right? The relationships within my group that I was able to leverage to become, you know, a more well-rounded executive. And then, you know, understanding that, you know, I had to build strong relationships at the team level, you know, um, in an effort to help, you know, serve as a support system for the teams at times to, to serve as an additional resource, you know, and without those relationships and trying to do it all on my own, you know, I wouldn't have been successful and, 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 and at the end of the day, wouldn't have been much of a help to, you know, my internal teammates or those at the teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ryan, your experience with Teambo, you spent over six years there and you're meeting, you know, as, as we're traveling around team to team, you're meeting with key executives and leaders, owners, C-level execs and everyone else. And what were some of the key characteristics that just always stood out in some of the most successful people you were surrounding yourself with? Yeah, you know, I think those that, um, you know, had enough self-awareness to understand, you know, that they didn't have to do it alone. Um, there were opportunities to learn. There were resources to use. You know, I think when I look at, you know, the leaders that I, that I really respected and I thought overperformed, you know, they didn't work in a silo. You know, they believed in collaboration. They were open to learning. They were open to using, you know, other resources to make more informed decisions. You know, I think very simply put, Travis, you know, if we ever feel like we've arrived and we know it all, you know, not only are we not growing, but we're probably moving backwards. Yep. And so, you know, understanding, you know, that and being self-aware enough to know that you can always be better. You can always learn. You can always grow. 
No, absolutely. And as you think back to your time, Ryan, it, and not only in the, the medical fail, medical field as the, the sales consultant there in the operating room, to your time selling premium and, and leading a premium team at the StubHub Center, and then you're leading the premium vertical in, in Teambo across NBA, W and G League teams. What were some what was you know maybe one key learning from just that that premium experience that you would think every listener should take and kind of apply to their day? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great question. I think it's the evolution of loyalty. And when I think about, you know, relationships and loyalty, you know, th those words to me are very similar, right? And, and, and what I mean by that is like, I think, you know, many, many years ago when I was a young seller, too many years to, that I would like to admit, you know, I think loyalty, relationships, rapport, you know, meant, you know, you may know your season ticket holder's birthday, you know, you may have jotted down their anniversary and, and being able to reference that in conversations later. You know, I think that helped with rapport. But I think over time, what we've seen is that that has evolved. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, like being able to sell across multiple verticals within an organization, you know, you know, the upfront research that you can do to better understand business initiatives. You know, you talk about rapport, like rapport, you know, I think at its early stages was knowing our season ticket holders birthday, like eventually rapport is like, let me tell you all the ways in which having a suite can impact your business. Let me tell you how, you know, uh, X and X team premium suite can help you drive revenue, drive you know, um, recruiting and hiring practices. And so being able, you know, to understand, you know, a customer's needs across multiple verticals is crucial, you know, into, into your success in sales. You talked about loyalty there, Ryan. And so a quick curveball, you know, we certainly talk a lot about loyalty in this business. And I know with all the travel, you know, you're a very loyal person to Delta and Marriott, you know, from a flight and hotel brand as, a, as I'm I. So why and, and ultimately, what do you feel like sports teams should do to maintain that loyalty? Like what has made you stick with Delta and Marriott? And, and what are some key learnings that sports teams could take from some of those loyalty programs? Yeah, you know, I think, again, it's understanding, you know, your season ticket holders, your prospects, you know, at a deeper level, right? And, and understanding you know, that they're all unique and wanting to build out these customizable relationships. You know, there was a point in time, you know, where I took over for a team and because of a small glitch in the system, um, we weren't able to take payments for two or three months. And so when I started, you know, I realized like, okay, like here's an opportunity where like I'm just starting this new role. I'm not terribly excited that the first thing and the first initiative that we have to execute on is going to collect past due balance from a ton of customers. But like what we really, we sat back and we thought about, okay, what's the best way to do this? And so one of the things that we decided at this time, you know, was I really didn't have a great understanding for who our sweet holders and customers were because I had just joined. So we decided in an effort to better understand them and to build that better relationship and build more rapport, like we were gonna host one-on-one -on -one focus group calls with our customers. Now, obviously a part of that call, the, the goal was to, 
you know, to bring up, hey, there's a balance on the account. We got to get this, you know, this payment in before next season. But really what it allowed us to do was to spend this one-on-one time better understanding their experience, asking the right questions, you know, and then, then using that data in the future, you know, to help position our product, to help, you know, reach a new audience, to target different types of prospects. Like there were insights and learnings that, that we were able to take from, from those conversations that helped us like drive incremental revenue. And so like for us, it's like, it's like have the conversations, be invested in them, have a deeper understanding of why they use your product when and where. And those are the type of things that I think drive loyalty to a brand when you understand them at that deeper level. Oh, absolutely. And you know, after spending six years at the league office, you decided to make the move into that vendor space with Tappet where you're currently at. And why did that opportunity in the vendor and technology space excite you? Yeah, for me, like when you can marry product and people, like that to me is a win-win. And what I mean by that is like, you know, when when I first started learning about Tappet in, in the product in the platform, like it was really intriguing. And the more and more I learned about it, you know, not only do I think it fit a great need for teams, but when I looked at our platform, it to me, you know, was far superior to similar platforms out there. And so now I have this product that I really believe in. And so can I lean on, you know, my old colleague, friends, contacts that I have in pro sports to serve, you know, as a useful resource to them with this new product in this platform that I really believe in. And so when you can marry product and people, like that's going to be an intriguing opportunity to anyone. Absolutely. And so Tappet can really be used at any brick and mortar store from, you know, stores, casinos, events, games, rodeo, airports, et cetera. And, you know, after uh, certainly an interesting technology that can track anything that a consumer has paid with their mobile wallet. And so as many teams talk about the importance of data, and, and we've talked about it on this podcast, the importance of data, you can tell, you know, with Tappet's technology, who's sitting in the seats, what they like, what they're buying. What does a day-to-day look like for you with Tappet, Ryan? Yeah, you know, our goal, my team's goal is, you know, to drive awareness on our product. Um, and not only, you know, as the vice president of professional sports, not only to target the big five, MLB, NHL, MLS, NFL, NBA, did I hit them all? Um, it's to, it's to target those outside PGA, F1, NASCAR, you know, we really see ourselves as a resource to any team, any venue, any entity. And so, you know, we're doing a good job, my team, like building awareness and driving and educating brands and teams on our platform. And we're not just stopping there. Our goal is to, to reach, you know, anyone and everyone, you know, beyond the big five, because we believe in Tappet that much. Thanks, Ryan. You know, certainly an innovative technology. You talked about education and, and understanding what Tappet is. So give the listeners a little bit more insight into what that Tappet technology will provide. Yeah, sure. So, you know, what our product, we are a cashless solution. And what our product is, you know, is an RFID bracelet, you know, that technology, you know, in most cases, 
we lean into the mobile wallet for professional sports. And so, as I mentioned, that's what our product is. But I think what it does is more important. You know, by using Tap It, you know, there's there's this way to engage your fans and your partners 365 days a year. Now we do that through the mobile wallet and the cashless solution, but we integrate, you know, with teams, POS system, their loyalty program, et cetera. And so what that means is like on the backside, there's all this great data for teams to use. Now on the front side, you know, by using the mobile wallet, going completely contactless, like fans can navigate a building, paying for parking, food and beverage, merch, et cetera, you know, um, and those things are going to provide, you know, a safer, more efficient customer experience, but at the same time, help drive revenue, getting fans through lines quicker, et cetera. Now, on the backside, again, as I mentioned, you know, the data is such a huge piece and, and there's this great quote um, from a, a chief commercial officer we work with. And it's, you know, we're drowning in data, but starving for insights. And for us, we've really at Tappet focused on, you know, not only providing more robust data, providing it in real time, but providing it in a way that for teams that it's really easy to action against. And so, you know, for us, it's creating that better customer experience. It's cost saving, it's revenue driving, and it's really ultimately helping teams become a more data-driven organization. No, absolutely. Well, Ryan, this has been awesome. Certainly a great career, a fun career. Certainly excited to see what not only you continue to do, but certainly in the, the technology and with Tappet technology. But as you think back to your entire career and, and your sales and sports have been a big part of it, what's been your best memory? Yeah, you know, I would say like I've had these unique opportunities, Travis, where, you know, I was living in New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina hit and we had to relocate the team to Oklahoma City in 30 days. And so, you know, that was such a unique experience. You know, um, I still believe to this day that the Dallas Cowboy Project, you know, is the best collection of salespeople ever assembled to go and attack. At, the, at that time, there had never been you know, a building of that magnitude and, and to go and, and impact their business. Like, you know, to me, the ultimate goal, you know, at parts of my career were working with Teambo. Like, I think that group is just so innovative and forward thinking and there's just so many talented people there. And I think, you know, I learned so much from that experience. And so, like, it's hard to, to think of just one, but I think, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is like to young people in our business, like sometimes you're in these moments where you don't realize how special it is and they're not always special. I've been lucky enough to be a part of some unique and special opportunities. And so, you know, live in the moment, like understand, you know, you're not always going to have those special opportunities in pro sports. No, absolutely. Well, Ryan, this has been great, ton of great advice and certainly fun to hear about your journey on both the team league and now vendor side. And so to close out, I put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. What reality TV show would you love to be on? Survivor. You know, it's a show that I watch. I'm competitive. You know, I think all salespeople have a little bit of manipulation into them. So like trying to use that, but no question, Survivor. If you had to eat one meal the rest of your life, what would it be? 
Crawfish, bold crawfish. You know I'm from New Orleans. You love it. It has to be crawfish. You have your own late night talk show. Who are you inviting as your first guest? Travis Apple. Thank you. I was open for that. <laughs> if Travis Apple is not available, Michael Jordan. You know, I think the last dance. Tomato, really tomato. Really, same type. Yeah, same guy. Probably same athletic skills as well. <laughs> you know, look, just having that insight to him and how he ticks, that to me would be an interesting sit down, of course. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a hundred things I could list. But when I think about my career and some of the learnings that I have, you know, it's a couple of things. One, you know, get out of your comfort zone. You know, if you live in your comfort zone, you're going to stop growing as a professional, you know, stop growing personally. You know, it, it's get out of that comfort zone. Um, two, and I think I addressed it earlier, like, you know, if you're a person that feels like they've arrived, they have it figured out, then you're going to stop growing. And so look for opportunities, you know, to, to learn and to grow, you know, and not only from people within sports and within sales, but, you know, also outside of sales, you know, read a ton, learn as much as you can. And then lastly, it's simple, like work for people, work with people and for people that you align with culturally, you know, you'll never, you'll never feel like it's a job. You know, if every day when you're going, you know, you believe in the culture, you believe in the people. And I think all those come together. You know, it's starting with the, the third one is people. You know, it starts and stops with people. And if you're around the right people, they're going to keep pushing you and challenging you. So to, to your number two of keep growing. And in order to be successful in anything you do, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to be willing yeah. to think outside the box. So, Ryan, thank you so much. You've certainly had a great career. Pleasure talking to you. I appreciate your time, expertise, and, and certainly our friendship. Yeah. Thanks, Travis. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.